0: Welcome to the SFDC Consultant Podcast, a podcast where we have open discussions with Salesforce consultants, administrators, and architects. Today, we are speaking with Stephen Baines, a Salesforce certified technical architect and founder and CEO of Forcivity. In this discussion, we cover the importance of soft skills, how to use the app exchange for implementations and how to differentiate your consultancy practice. If you find this episode interesting, I would really appreciate if you could share the episode with your peers, subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast player and leave us a
1: review. So I've been in the Salesforce ecosystem since uh, 2004. Um, I always jokingly say that was version four of the API, which I think we're up to version 48 now. So I've been around for a little bit, um, started as a customer. Uh, Work. I was an IT director for a tech company and uh, had no clue what Salesforce was. Uh, but within a few weeks of starting, we were asked by the CEO to implement Salesforce and Eloqua, which is now Oracle Marketing Cloud. So I was kind of pushed into the fire in the Salesforce world and had to learn it very quickly. And you know, got really uh, on-the-job training. So I was learning as I was doing. That company I worked for was acquired by Dell Computer in 2008 and by the time the acquisition happens uh, me and my team had done quite a few things on Salesforce and had a pretty cool infrastructure running so I actually stayed on and um, consulted for Dell. Uh, I had worked for myself previously so I used that as an opportunity to kind of get back out and like yeah I'll work for Mike again and um, that turned into a business that lasted for six years so I was a Salesforce consultant for six years I was a freelancer and uh, just primarily build clientele through my network. I sold that company to a local digital agency because uh, uh, they had expressed interest in starting a Salesforce practice. Uh, only did that for about two years, um, you know, just because we, we, we it wasn't really going the way that I think probably either of us had envisioned. So um, I left that company and started Fersivity. And that's what I've been doing ever since. So it's basically been a Kind of a 12-year continuum of Salesforce, SI work and consulting work. Uh, Firstivity actually started as an ISV partner because uh, we were building tools and we started doing SI work as well. And then we officially became an SI partner in 20, I think it was 2017 at this point. So we were in business for a couple of years before we actually started doing SI work again. Um, so we do both now. So it's you know, it's primarily SI work, but we also have some tools on the App Exchange as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that's uh, that's brilliant. So um, I wanted to kind of uh, j- just touch upon something in there that you mentioned. So uh, you were you were working at um, at a company. You've you've become a a customer. So quote unquote, kind of an end user. And and mm-hmm. I, to be honest, I kind of get tired of this to to kind of say the same thing. But this is so common to get people, um, you know, consultants or people that have started uh, development or that that are in the in the in trade and if you ask them how they started they said oh well funny enough the company that I was working at they've implemented salesforce and i liked it and that's how i started my journey so it's so it's so yep. common um, i yep. guess it's salesforce does that yeah it does have that stickiness i guess you know that, that's kind of an asset to them the fact that they make these end users like the product that those become professionals in the industry I never thought about it that way, but it does, it does bring Yeah,
1: to- Yeah, and the thing, it, it's interesting because we, we run into a lot of people who have done that. So freelancers who said, you know what, I'm just going to become a Salesforce consultant. And there, there are different types of folks out there because there are people who know Salesforce really well and they'll focus just on Salesforce. And there are other people, like I'll use myself as an example, where I was, you know, I kind of grew up in corporate IT where, Salesforce was just one of many applications that I knew. So it was like, okay, yeah, I can do Salesforce, but can do other things. But as the years progressed, I became more and more focused on Salesforce, but still I'm at the point where, you know, in essence, you can plunk us down into any environment and we like, yep, we know Oracle, we know this, we know that. So it actually helps us quite a bit to expand our service offerings to a lot of different types of companies because of that experience
0: yeah that makes sense um the one thing that i was gonna i was gonna check with this and you know based on based on the company that you're running right now um with my experience here in the u k uh whenever consultancies are are and i'm not really talking potentially kind of thinking about you know the, the top four top ten type consultancies but uh mm-hmm. let's just say kind of ground level you know let's just say ten to 50, 10 to hundred uh, staff uh consultancies sure. um most of them will probably specialize within a particular, you know, vector like sector or or vertical yeah. of, of, of that. Um, and I wanted to kind of, you know, get a sense of that. What is what is kind of your your approach, uh, and what mm-hmm. do you think? Do you think that's that's a good thing? Um, is that is that a good thing because it kind of you know strengthens your your you know, I guess, uh, credibility and and you mm-hmm. know your your skill. Uh, but c- could that also be kind of a downside? Because at that point, you know, you you're you can only do quote unquote kind of one uh, one category of
1: work. Yeah. That, so that is the that's the balance that we always have to walk. Is you know what are our service offerings and how do we talk about that to the market? The the challenge that Salesforce partners have is there's a lot of us, um, especially in the northeastern United States, like the Greater Boston area. So it's really difficult to differentiate yourself. Uh, Like I wouldn't go out there and say, hey, we implement sales cloud because everybody implements sales cloud. So it's not really a difference maker. It's more like, yeah, of course we implement sales cloud. Everybody does. So part of our strategy and part of my strategy running the company is, you know, kind of setting the direction as far as the specific clouds that we're going to focus on and specialize in. Because you do need to be known for something. Uh, when Salesforce account executives are looking for certain partners, they don't want, They typically don't go to a partner that does everything. They, they want to have a list of people that have very specific uh, service offerings or the focus on very specific clouds. So in our case, that's field service lightning and community cloud. Those are our two areas of expertise. I mean, we have expertise across everything, but most of our projects are one of those two things. And when we take phone calls from Salesforce account executives to help them you know, work on new customers and scope projects, nine times out of ten, it's one of those two clouds. And there's enough demand out there that we can build an entire business around that. But at the same time, if somebody came to us and said, "Hey, I need a project that it's you know it's sales cloud or it's you know integration with this," we can do that as well because in addition to focusing on those two specific clouds, we also uh, have a high focus on architecture. Uh, I'm a CTA. Uh, I've got three other aspiring CTAs on my, on my team. So we're used to going into really complex, large companies. Um, I always describe us as we're enterprise level boutique consulting. So we're really, we welcome the large, messy, chunky projects with a lot of complexity. That's where we thrive. We love doing those the most. We'll do the smaller ones as well. But we feel comfortable because you can pretty much plunk us into any situation and we can be successful in that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's an interesting approach, to be honest, um, in terms of, you know, yeah, well, we specialize in this, but we're going to take quote-unquote kind of anything that, that comes by because, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, I think you are correct when you think about service cloud, and, and you know, service cloud may depend on non-scalability and all of that, but service cloud, sales cloud, these are yep. so common at this point, um and and salesforce every time they're trying to make it so easy to to get up and running right. um that technically if you go at the consultancy of course they will do that you know there's no that would no, no. Yeah. that would kind of turn you back um what I was going going to going to do run out right is probably kind of switch over um and and um and just talk about in terms of you know kind of consultants and and you know um how consultants should, should approach things. and and I want to kind of again, kind of reference your your talk around um, essential kind of soft skills for for architects. Mm-hmm. Um, before we kind of get to architects, I would really want to kind of concentrate on on consultants themselves because presumably or or again, through my experience, um, it's probably you will have you know a consultant that will provide support uh, to a sales executive. So you'll get that very early on exposure mm-hmm. to that. There's a consultant that, uh, you know, manages or is part of a a implementation project um, at at different levels. So I guess from from a consultant's point of view, you're kind of playing so many roles. You know, a developer, you know, will just Mm -hmm. kind of do the development. An admin will will manage that, a project manager would. But a consultant will kind of have to switch gears in a way. Um, Absolutely. So what I was kind of trying to understand is from your point of view, what are those kind of top key soft skills that that a consultant should should uh, you know polish um and and again kind of taking consideration you know the the you know good management of a project and also of course good management mm-hmm. of the business itself
1: yeah i mean salesforce does a very good job at teaching us the hard skills there's so many resources out there now especially with trailhead that you can get mastery of the technology fairly easily at this point. Um, obviously, you still have to dedicate the time and take the certification tests, but there's a very clear path to success with those. What I have found in my experience, and this is you know, kind of my philosophy as far as how I work with our clients, is there's a, there's a big difference between being a Salesforce expert and being a Salesforce consultant. And it really, I think it's those soft skills that you know, really allow you to bridge that gap. And it boils down to communication and your ability to interact with people. You know, I, in this talk that I give about soft skills, I, I jokingly say that we're really human behaviorists. We're not technologists. Because people are really the biggest challenge in implementing any project. And the technology has become so easy. So mastering the ability to communicate effectively, not only speaking, but listening. Listening effectively and truly understanding what your, your customers are. Relaying to you from a requirements perspective or a concerns perspective, and taking that in and digesting it, and then turning that into a technical solution that they're going to be happy with—it's um, easier said than done. So, and it's that's a that's a skill that you just you get with experience. It just comes with time. It's difficult to teach that. I can sit there and express those things to people, but you kind of have to go through it and work with a difficult difficult customer and go through those emotional aspects of technology projects to see, like, okay. I know how to navigate this. I've worked with folks like this before I can overcome this challenge. I, you know, let me try this technique that I've tried before. And those are the things that just come with experience. And in, in my opinion, that that is what truly makes an effective consultant is your ability to work with your, your constituents, you know, not only, you know, you being able to talk to them, but getting them to talk to you in a way that's going to be meaningful so you can help them be successful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the point that, that you just just mentioned in terms of getting them to talk to you, I think that's that's pretty key because the idea is that yes. you know you're you're there and you're not there, I guess, to talk. You're there to listen, if it makes sense, uh, whenever yes. you, cause you're you're trying to you're trying to solve something. Um, something around something around consultants and, and projects that I would really want to kind of touch upon, and and I've had this this kind of discussion and, and debate, or I say debate, this kind of exchange with, with a few people, and that's. Um, that's around conflict, uh, conflict between the client mm-hmm. requirements and expectations, um, you know, kind of those those three kind of areas and, and how they play about. Um, yeah. I was going to say, what is, your, what is your approach in trying to, I guess, um, foresee that, mitigate that type of challenge uh, whenever you're implementing a project? Um, and you get the feel or you get the sense that, you know, there may be something coming at the horizon where the client may say well i was somehow expecting this or i was somehow presuming that these would also come with the package or something along those lines
1: yeah there were ways that you know i, t- I try to focus more on avoiding the conflicts meaning doing things as part of the entire project lifecycle to to you know help pre- you know, prevent that conflict from even occurring so it's things like early involvement, working with the right business stakeholders, asking the right questions, uh, showing them things along the way, and just allowing them to participate in the process from the beginning. Um, we, you know, Me and my team have found that that approach really works well in avoiding those conflicts near the end where we produce something and they're like, this is completely uh, not what I was expecting uh, for a deliverable. But they, that doesn't mean that they, we, you know, that that doesn't happen so part of it is really that's where those people management skills come into play where you know sometimes we have to fall on the sword or say listen i understand but there are other reasons why we've done it this way because either this business stakeholder needs this requirement or this executive has said i don't care what this person says this is how you're going to do it so there's always other variables that come into play that we somehow have to bring to the conversation, but bring it productively, not throw people under the bus. And kind of in essence, very politely say, this is how it's gonna be. Uh, So I'm not asking you to agree with it, but you may have to accept it. So it's really, again, where those soft skills come in handy and that experience where you can figure out what's the right message for that person, uh, you know, and tailor that conversation to them. So even though you may not agree with their opinion, you can at least empathize and say, "Okay, I get it. I understand, but this this is what we're moving forward with." And it could be the flip side, where it's say, "I completely understand. We missed the mark. Let me fall on my sword, and we're going to go back and fix it for you." So, really, it's a, it's just a question of you know what is the end result going to be? Is it is it their way or our way? And what are the reasons that it's going to be that way? And how do you convey that effectively? So it's you know so it's disarming, so it's received. Um, I always lean back on my you know, experience with my kids and disciplining them or talking through a difficult situation with them. And it's like, listen, you're not going to like what I have to say, but I'm going to say it, say it in a way that you can understand and respond to it and we can be, have a productive conversation about it. It doesn't mean you're going to like it, but at least you understand it. Um, and I, I, I tend to take the same approach with customers too. Yeah. doesn't
0: mean you like it, but at least you understand it. I think, I think that's... <laughs> I'm probably going to use that on my <laughs> uh, on on my little kids as well. <laughs> I'm going to steal that. Um, what, what I want to kind of uh, also mention um, and and kind of you know follow up on is um, things like tools, things like uh, things like approaches, and and um, you know I would want to kind of touch upon from from a consultant side as well in terms of you know quote unquote kind of project documentation. And I do know that Salesforce they have I think it's called. Um, I think is the project management plan light and, and, and for something like that, where they have this kind of uh, like a project initiation type of document uh, that they share yep. um, in your experience. Cause I, I spoke to it, with with a number of people before, um, but I haven't actually heard this classification where, you know, the way you've kind of put it that you are an enterprise um, boutique level provider in, 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 in one way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for those type of projects uh, uh, how is the management of that project how does that work how do you approach that um you know what's the i guess what does the project manager you know how does he uh, mm-hmm. or she kind of split his time uh between you know getting all the stakeholders in line and documenting everything and communicating mm-hmm. them properly
1: yeah so so some of this is part of our own methodology so uh which my hope is that's a differentiator for us so I'll share a little bit with you about that Um, but generally speaking we've developed a framework that we use to deliver our projects and you know it's down to you know specific types of templates and things of that nature that we um that will deliver depending on what type of project it is but they generally speaking all of our projects follow the same cadences once we have uh, an executed statement work and we hand it off to the project team we're not just delivering them a consultant we're delivering them a team and because we touch so many clouds in Salesforce, there may be different skill sets needed at different times of the project. So we bring those resources to our customers. And that's how we structure our SOWs to say, you're hiring, you're hiring this company, not just hiring this individual or these two people. And one of those individuals is always a project manager. Um, and we always kick off the project with our customers in such a way that it's clear Believe it or not, we have to make it clear on the work that we're delivering for them because not all the pe- it's not always the case that the people in the project were involved in, in the pre-sales process. So it's almost like we restate that to say, here's what we've agreed to do. Here are the things that you've told us are important. And we wrap this up into what's called a project charter that we review with them on our initial meeting. And we talk about it. i like, okay, is this in line with what you guys are expecting? Um, here's the timeline that we talked about. Does this still align with you? Are there things we have to adjust because of absences or vacations or you know company milestones or events that are happening? So it's 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 a super logistical tactical meeting, and it may seem like oh yeah, great, you have a kickoff, but it it does a great job of setting expectations right up front. On this is the work we're going to do for you. You're spending a lot of money, so let's make sure that we're on the same page because at the end of the day, when we give this to you. We want to make sure that you're happy with it. And, you know, when we send you an invoice, we want you to be very happy about paying that invoice. You know, we want you to feel good about it that we that we delivered for you. Um, so we, we try to set those expectations right up front. And then once we're in uh, in the project, we review that charter on a regular basis. So are we still on track? Have we deviated from that? Do we have directives from the executive team that said, hey, listen, these are must haves in this project. We want to make sure that those, those minimum viable things that they're expecting as part of that project are going to be delivered and that they're not, that they're effectively communicated to the people that need to know that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it makes total sense. And I've have, I have heard of, um, you know, kind of getting that clear statement of work um, approved and, and reviewed and, and so on and so forth because I think someone mentioned the fact that, you know, the purchase or whoever, you know, kind of despite mm-hmm. the initial spec, uh, maybe a different person, or that may have happened two or three weeks ago where you know time has passed. Um, what I was going to say is probably kind of switch over to to you know like I said things like tools and stuff like that with the things that you have on the on the app exchange um, in terms of kind of the, the community the community pack uh, in terms of the sabers and and you also have the um, kind of the lead or I guess some type of lead advanced advanced uh, application there uh probably first i was going to ask how did they kind of came about um was it presumably because you said communities is one of your mm-hmm. kind of core um you know differentiator or you know something that yep. you kind of put, put emphasis on so for example the community kind of bundle or pack has that come about from you know presumably kind of doing a lot of community implementations and then you've kind of had a yeah a reuse great question
1: that? so core lead was our first app that we put out there and um it solves one of the classic deficiencies in Salesforce, which is associating leads to accounts. That's what it does. That's all it does. Um, there are other uh, like lead management type of apps that do much more sophisticated functionality than that. But we released it because it was, it was solving a, a pretty painful pain point for Salesforce. Uh, when, so I mentioned this company that I worked for earlier that was acquired by Dell. We took in thousands of leads a month. And prosecuting those leads was a big challenge. There were just so many of them, um, so we had to find ways to get very creative to understand. Okay, am I working with somebody else at this customer already, this prospect, and how do I, how can I do that systematically? So even way back then, I had uh, built some automation to help with that. And when I started Forcivity, I had always had this app in my back pocket. It's like, you know, I'm going to build an app that does that and put it on the app exchange. And of course, as soon as I put it out there, we got downloads immediately and you know, we still get them to the stay. People buy it all the time. So it was really just to make a pain point go away. And the the, the name forcivity, a lot of people think that it's um, the force is actually Salesforce. You know, I unfortunately, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a Star Wars geek. I don't know if it's unfortunate, but it's, you know, I was five when Star Wars came out. So the mm-hmm. force actually comes from that, that word. The force. What? The way it, <laughs> the force. Yeah. But it's a combination of force and productivity. That's what the name, that's mm-hmm. where the name comes from. And the focus was on being productive. So simplifying the things that are time consuming or take a lot of time or take a lot of money in Salesforce, they give us a lot of really great out of the box tools, but there's also a lot of things that they don't give us. and We have to invent ways to, to manage those situations, manage that data or build those things. So that was how Coralie came to be. Shortly thereafter, uh, because we do so much community work, we found that we were doing some of the same things over and over again, building, you know, custom UIs and components and things like that. We're like, you know what? We're going to turn this into an app as well. It started as a tool set and it evolved over time, and it got to the point where we were very happy with it from a user experience perspective, and we said, All right, you know, this is a sellable app now. So very similar type of approach is that we, you know, as a problem we had experienced over and over again, we said, you know, we're going to solve this with an app. We published it. We use it in every single one of our community implementations. Every one. We, 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 we're we so used to using it now, we can't do an implementation without it um, because it's just like oh, it's like, oh, let me go get that, you know, and drag and drop components and, uh, you know, easy to configure. So I, I can't even imagine doing a project without it now.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, isn't it kind of a um you know whenever you hear these these you know entrepreneurs or people that kind of you know encourage you to do business you know that, that's the first thing that they say you know try to solve your own problem first and then mm-hmm. you know if you do that then probably there are other people out there that have solution absolutely. Um, absolutely yep rather than solve some type of um imaginative type type issue Uh um, right. yeah that, that's um that's good the the other thing i was gonna i was gonna mention in terms of um in terms of consultants, and, and you've kind of, um, you know, alluded to earlier in terms of, you know, getting the time to to get, um, you know, those soft skills and try to understand those. And you mentioned that in terms of technical skills, you do have Trailhead, yeah. which is, I, I don't think there's any sales force person uh like user and user consultant admin dev that doesn't like trailhead so you know everyone seems to everyone seems to you know get those badges and you know it's like pokemon gotta catch them all um, <laughs> and, uh, um, but in terms of uh in terms of certifications versus experience mm-hmm. um, and, you know, i am you know, kind of speaking to someone that, you know, is a certified technical architect, you know, in order to get there, you had to go through, right. um, you know, getting all the certifications. And of course, the, the final board um, review right. it. And I was going to kind of ask, what is your, what is your kind of philosophy uh, when either, again, I guess assessing, not really hiring someone, but assessing right. someone's skill, um where, you know, what do you kind of look at? Do you look, for example, for, for soft skills? Because, you know, the technical mm-hmm. can be learned. Do you look for technical? How do you prioritize that? And also kind of yep. to put something, uh, a, a top layer to that is what about industry uh, knowledge? So, for example, um, I, I do know some companies, um, you know, will concentrate on financial services or retail. So then when they hire, they try to get
1: someone that potentially has
0: some knowledge knowledge. Mm-hmm. Around
1: yeah. the business in that way. Yeah, I um, certifications are important for sure. Uh, I will hire uh, experience over certifications ten out of ten times because those hard skills can be taught. And if the, if somebody has the right experience, then I find that they'll be much more successful um, at least doing the type of work that we do at Persiviti and mean, you know being a Salesforce consultant because you can't teach experience, you can't fake it. Um, i see i know a lot of people who have many many certifications more than i do and i give them a lot of credit for having the ability to get certified in so many different things but also at the same time i can look at somebody who's got you know two or three certifications uh be in service cloud or field service and they're masters at that and I, i view that those certifications just as valuable as you know those 25 certifications that somebody may have because they've just chosen a path. And rather than having really wide knowledge and maybe shallow knowledge, they have very narrow, but super deep knowledge in certain areas of Salesforce. That's just as valuable as somebody having that super wide knowledge. Like, listen, here, you're very good at this. This is the type of work you're going to do. And that's what, but those are the types of projects we're going to put you on. So it really is that experience that is, that's what we look at the most. And of course, they're going to have some Salesforce experience. But if they don't have certifications or they've only got one, it's like that's okay. We can we can work through that. Those you know those skills can be taught, and you can do the test preparation. But it's that experience that you just can't fake. So that that really is one of our most incri- most critical hiring factors.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that that makes that makes total sense. And i've I've heard of um, I've heard similar stories um, around you know kind of people benchmarking this uh, or you know for example watching like youtube videos or or you know things like that and always kind of you read in the comments um will this help will this help me with the certification or will this like well sometimes that's not that important you know it's important for a certain at a certain stage um but when you're trying to get hired and so on probably a bit of experience is is you know will take you a bit longer uh, we'll take right. it further uh, on the way with that. Yeah, that's,
1: uh, that's brilliant. Yeah, and, and I know there's a lot of things about like, you know, test dumps and things like that. And, you know, if, if people want to, if that's how they want to get their certifications, then more power to them. But eventually they're going to have to demonstrate that expertise to somebody um, and not really having gone through it properly and, you know, being trained and learning and taking your time and really, you know, earning that certification. It's eventually going to catch up with you. Um, you know so that's you know if 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 there's anything that I feel very strongly about is those the certifications they can they can be they can be a ruse for who you're really hiring they can really hide who you know who that actually is and their experience so we really do our due diligence and we truly understand who they are and what their actual experience is aside from their certifications
0: yeah 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 that that uh, that that makes total sense um yeah. If, if, if I were to kind of, you know, switch back a bit, um, and, and kind of talk about like the, um, like Salesforce as a whole. And I have heard this, this term actually today that apparently people call Salesforce like the mothership, the fact that you have so many, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so many smaller, like, you yeah. know, uh, I call it that <laughs> you call it that. As well? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was the first time. That, and, and then I realized that makes total sense. It makes, it literally yeah. makes total sense. Um, and I was going to try to, to try to kind of understand from you how, how important is that relationship with uh, with Salesforce um, as as a, as an entity, I guess, as a, as a company yeah. from from yourself, um, and presumably, you know, there's there's that you mentioned earlier around um, account executives reaching out mm-hmm. for, with certain leads that they have. Um, and, you know, what is the type of support, presumably, that you're bouncing back over to them whenever they need to, to do demos or bring a partner mm-hmm. to, provide, uh, to provide some type of support?
1: Yeah, I mean, our, our existence as a company is um, very dependent on Salesforce, obviously. I mean, so we have to have a fantastic relationship with them. Um, and that's at all levels, account execs all the way up to you know, actual executives. Um, so th- they're an integral part of our success um so forging those relationships um you know really managing them like they're an extension of our company is that's you know one of our core philosophies and we respond to them just like we're responding to customers uh because you know they need us to be successful and we need them to be successful uh they can sell licenses all day long but if there's nobody to implement the software then their customers aren't going to be happy so it's a mutually beneficial relationship you know they're obviously they want to sell licenses we want to sell services and we both recognize that about each other. So, you know, being able to forge those relationships and do the things to help each other out. It just, it just fosters really long lasting, solid relationships. And you know, at the end of the day, this is a relationship business that we're in. So it's really important to focus on that. And, um, you know, Salesforce does, they do a great job at, you know, kind of conveying that, you know, of course the whole Ohana spirit and things like that. I mean, it's, it's true. I mean, they really are, they recognize that their customers and their partners are keys to their success. So it's great to, it's great to kind of get that from them and know that they're invested in our success, just like we are in theirs.
0: Yeah. I mean, linked to that, and I'll say I don't really have a lot of experience in terms of um, uh, potentially kind of diving deep into other other platforms out there or you know other industries for a large period of time mm-hmm. um so i would not you know kind of speak from experience um but i do recognize that the whole community that's wrapped around salesforce is in itself unique um i think um you know the, the level of support um that you get uh, to be honest uh, and I, I say it from my point of view, I do love the whole time difference with, um, with the U.S. Um, because you know, you're going to be in the middle of the day, you don't know how to do something. Well, it's already 3, 3 p.m. in the afternoon. I'm just going to post it on the success forum. And when I wake up tomorrow morning,
1: <laughs> we'll have an answer I'll almost an answer assuredly. Answer yep. Yep. So I do love that. Amazing! It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, love that. Like, so, likely from Steve Mollis too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, so what I'm saying, there's, um, uh, you know, th- there is there is that that community kind of value, which which is which is yes. fully appreciated. Um, it, the one thing that I wanted to mention in, in terms of that, and you know, we talked about we talked about skills um, that consultants would need, and you know, kind of the relationship and how important that is. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to kind of bring that, you know, kind of uh, at the beginning. So, um, for example, the way I started in, in Salesforce, I I literally um, started for an ISV uh, doing um, support desks. so and slowly, slowly from there, kind of went up and and. Um, did project implementation did a bit of product management and and so on Um, but from your point of view what would be kind of the best approach for someone to start either that may be uh, a graduate or either someone you know changing a a career um, late in their career early in their career how however you want to kind of think about it what would be kind of your your first few steps that you would recommend to someone
1: get a trailhead account that's step number one for sure um, you know, if you're interested in getting into Salesforce, start with Trailhead and just learn about it. If you don't have a technology background, they do a great job of starting you at the very beginning. Like, like you know nothing and you start and explain what is CRM and who is Salesforce? What kind of company are we? And why do we do the things that we do? And getting into starting to learn to become an admin. So that would be a great first step. Um, connect with the community, go to events, you know, put your name out there, you know, really You'd be surprised that when you put your name out there and, and express interest that you're you're looking to do this or get into this field or get it, you know, just start fresh. It's amazing how many people may raise their hand and say, Hey, I'd like to talk to you. Um, so get your name out there, you know, network. Really reach out to folks and you know, they may not have something for you, but they may know somebody who who does have something for you, or they may know somebody. So leverage that community. There's hundreds of thousands of people in this community. So you know, definitely take advantage of that and put your name out there, and you know, an opportunity will present itself to you.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's brilliant. That's a good advice. Um, on uh, on, uh, I would want to just just you know touch upon something which which I, I want to kind of flip to that um, in a second. Is in terms of implementations, whenever whenever you run that, because you said you know at this point when it comes to community type uh, implementations, you always kind of you know fall back on 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 the package that you guys have. Um, mm-hmm. And I was going to ask, what is quote unquote your relationship with the app exchange? Um, and and what I mean is, you know, using other apps, uh, using mm-hmm. additional apps. Um, what is it, kind of your philosophy between we can build it ourselves versus we can we can um, download sure. and and use an app from the from the app exchange?
1: Yeah, so this is the the balance that we always walk as uh, NSI partner is should we build this or should we buy it? Obviously, if we build something, you know, we're we're charging the customer for it, uh, and maybe we are going to build it exactly to spec, or maybe it's not going to quite do what that third party will do. Um, but at the end of the day, we want to make sure that they're happy with whatever solution we give them. So we have to remind ourselves constantly that sometimes and more times than not it makes sense for them to buy something that we install and configure for them because at the end of the day because this is a relationship business we want them to be happy we want them us, we want them to call us back for that next next project rather than have you know this crazy customization that you know maybe doesn't work as well or it's they're they're locked to a certain version uh, and they don't have the money to keep up with it so you know we we always want to look at kind of the whole picture the total cost of ownership Uh, Of a customization like that and compare that to what it would cost to buy something And at the end of the day, it usually ends up that we say listen go buy this We'll implement it for you, but you're better off if you purchase this Their features are much more robust than we can build they keep up with releases They they put new things out all the time all for that base fee that you're paying
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. makes sense Um, and Based on that and based on, you know, just to follow up on, on implementations, um, what I wanted to say is whenever you, whenever you kind of drop off or you finish these projects, um, how, do you, how do you approach that? And, and, and the way I was going to kind of, you know, think about this is one uh, such as the user acceptance um, mm-hmm. um, slash documentation um, and, and presumably, what is your preference and, and how do you do, um, not really follow-ups, but maintenance of that? So do you always, mm-hmm. uh, whenever you, you pick up a project, you always kind of think about what well, we're going to implement it, but we would also prefer to manage it on, on a
1: retainer or whatever whatever that is? Sure. Yeah. Every client's different. Um, they'll have different needs. It's, it's largely dependent on what they have for well, the two things, really. What they have for budget. And what do they have for team? Um, you know, give you an example, We one of our customers is, is a fairly large technology company in the financial services space. Um, they're strapped for people. Their, their people are tapped. So they lean on us to do some of their admin support. Um, so we did a fairly large implementation for them, um, but we're also just doing that, that day-to-day stuff, you know, small projects, break-fix type of stuff. Um, but every client is different. So it's not... Um, you know, we don't have service offerings, like if you go to our website, we don't like, you know, like, you know, uh, monthly package, you know, this many hours for the, the, you know, we don't do that type of offering, so to speak. It's more on a client by client basis, because we want to make sure that we can support them, um, and make sure that we're we can be responsive to them based on what their their needs and their expectations are. So we, we definitely take it case by case. But generally speaking, uh, we we are looking for long term relationships in our customers. So it's my hope is that once we finish whatever that project is that we're already talking about that next one and it's already been scoped out and we're just going to continue working with them
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. interesting yes so you always kind of look for for the bigger picture in terms of um, you know kind mm-hmm. of make it quote unquote kind of tailor tailor the relationship yes. around the client itself as well yeah yeah um yep. on, on on clients and and, and that relationship and Again, you may you may kind of flip this or or kind of you know think about it in a different way. But I have heard of the store of the of, you know a, a few stories and 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 term like you know firing clients. Um, mm-hmm. And I was going to say, have you have you encountered that that type of situation uh, in terms of you know having to really push back and and realizing that you know this is not really going to quote unquote yeah. kind of end well. Um, and how, how how would you how would you approach that type of situation? I know we talked about kind of mitigating that particular um, mm-hmm. or foreseeing foreseeing something right. in the future, um,
1: but there's always situations and situations. I guess <laughs> sometimes it's unavoidable. I um, mean, we've done it. We've, do, we've done it. I mean, we've removed ourselves from client engagements before, and the, the phrase "firing clients" we, we've used it. I've used that phrase. You know, part of what makes these projects successful is the customer's ability to actually execute projects like this. Uh, Salesforce does a great job showing off their software. And some things are really simple to do in Salesforce. So a lot of customers go into these engagements thinking, yeah, we can do this. But they really underestimate Mm -hmm. their organization's ability to actually go through a project like this and execute this type of change. Because they all have day jobs to do. And they've all, all got other things that they're responsible for. And a technology project is more work. It's extra hours. Um, it's outside of their area of expertise. Maybe they've been told to do it and they're not really on board with it, whatever the reasons are. And we find that when we're in those situations where the customer is just not there and really kind of has that capability of getting through a project like that, we find it's like, okay, this is this is not working for either one of us. And we may decide, you know, we're transparent with them and say, listen, this is this is not working. Um, so we probably should consider, you know, you know, ending the relationship or finding a different way to move forward. It, I would prefer to be honest with them um, and and just say, well, you know, this is you know, this is not what either of us thought it was going to be. So uh, and I find that that resonates with them. They are appreciative of that. You know, even though we're technically firing them, it's like it's never easy to do that, but at least you, at least they understand. You know, but there was a phrase again it's like you yeah. know, i don't to like it but i just want you to understand it
0: yeah 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 it does it, it, it makes, to, makes total sense i've um i've had a bit of a bit of an experience with that and yeah i think it's the whole thing about relationships you know uh, you're trying to push that further it's just going to make both of you kind of more miserable um yep. and you're not <laughs> you're not kind of getting getting anywhere with that um absolutely my my final, my final question, or my final point that I wanted to that I wanted to kind of emphasize here, is, or try to get some advice, I guess, on. Um, and this is for this is, I guess, for architects, consultants, admins, you know, people that are, that are trying to kind of move up up and down on, on these um, career paths, is things like available tools out there. Um, so, you know, for example, for consultants, in case, in case you're doing like community building, et cetera, that, you know, for mm-hmm. example, that, you know, the pack that you guys have and, and provide on the App Exchange. But is there anything else, uh, I don't know, kind of in your, in your kind of toolbox that, that you're your font of and, and you guys always mm-hmm. in, in, in different stages of, of the project that you may recommend?
1: There is. Uh, there's one in particular. So, uh, so Salesforce has a feature called Email to Case, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, It's a feature that probably shouldn't exist, in my opinion, at least the way that they wrote it, uh, because it's got a lot of, let's see, at least a lot to be desired, let's put it that way. Um, But there's an app out there called Email to Case Premium created by Internet Creations, and we've implemented it dozens of times. Um, And it makes life so much easier to implement Service Cloud, especially when their model is engaging through email. Uh, Just because it's a great user experience, it's a great experience for the customers, and it's a great experience for the agents. just makes things easier to do. That's one we do all the time. Um, There's a QuickBooks integration from Breadwinner, which we use quite a bit. We actually use that as well. So if you use QuickBooks Online and you need to integrate it with Salesforce, Breadwinner is the way to go. So we put that one in quite a bit. Uh, Obviously, we do DocuSign like most people do. Uh, Conga or uh, Nintex DrawLoop. I don't know if it's still called draw loop or DocGen. I think it's called Mm -hmm. now. Uh, But we, you know, we have these suite of tools that we lean on all the time to to help get things done. And the second we hear a customer give us a requirement that we know core Salesforce can do, we just go through that list of those apps that we use and we know well, and they're like, okay, that one will fit the bill. Go buy it. And we'll implement it for you.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, steve thank you for your time um the last thing on my side i was going to say if uh if people want to you know hear what you have to say you know your socials um um where where, where would people be able to find that
1: so i'm on uh, i'm on twitter as steve baines and that's uh baines spelled b-a-i-n-z because my real spelling that is the handles taken by somebody who hasn't tweeted in 10 years so i could get it <laughs> um so you can find me there but um I also host um, what's called CTA Office Hours uh, every month. It's the last Thursday of every month at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. So you can register for that at ctaofficehours.com. And it's really just an open discussion to just chat about challenges and hopefully I can help the folks. We record them. It's a podcast. You can subscribe to it as well. So those are two ways you can get a hold of me anytime.
0: Thank you for listening to the SFDC Consultant Podcast. Be sure to visit sfdcconsultant.com to access the show notes and discover additional content. If you enjoyed the podcast, it would be amazing if you could subscribe, give us a review, and share it with your peers. Until next time, take care.